Um, today is, of course, Palm Sunday. This is the day that we celebrate the uh, time where Jesus is coming into the city of Jerusalem, riding on a cam or a camel. <laughs> That's a different version. That's a <laughs> That's the Arabic version of the Bible, but uh, <laughs> where'd that come from? Camel. Uh, uh, riding on a donkey, it was not a camel. A camel would have been fine, but it was a donkey. It was a little colt, and uh, the people were throwing out branches and celebrating his coming into the city of Jerusalem, which a mere week later, they kill him. So, uh, you know, it's nice to have people cheer you, but watch your back. You never know. Uh, this morning, I want to uh, talk in preparation for this coming weekend, uh, Good Friday, and of course, celebrating Easter. Um, let's take a look at some scriptures here. In Psalm, the 20th chapter says this, May he, speaking of God, give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. Fabulous. Psalm 103, He who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Psalm 145, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him, and he hears their cry and saves them. Proverbs 37, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Fabulous stuff here. That's the Old Testament. Then we jump into the New Testament, the Gospels. Jesus says this in Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. In Matthew 21, he says, If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. In the Gospel of Mark, we read, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And John records these words, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, if there's one thing we preachers love to preach about, it is the fact that God wants to give you the desires of your heart. We love to teach on the whys and the hows of faith. And make no mistake, this is the most popular part of the Christian faith. Everybody loves this part. God will ask my prayer. Everybody loves it. Fabulous. Turn on almost any Christian television program, and most certainly that will be the message you will hear. Just have enough faith, God will give you whatever you want. Praise God. Hallelujah. You got to send me 10 bucks first, but he'll give you whatever you want. You know. <laughs> now, one thing is clear. The Bible does make these promises. And from these promises, we walk away with God does want to bless you and answer your prayers. Now, assuming, of course, that the prayer is appropriate. You know, God's not going to answer the prayer, God, please kill my ex-husband. All right? Inappropriate. Uh, James talks about the problem with why some prayers don't get answered. He says, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. Aha! What were the wrong motives? That you can spend what you get on your pleasures. One of the main reasons a lot of prayers don't get answered is because we're praying, gimme, 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 gimme. God is not nearly as impressed with those kinds of prayers is probably why every week the hundreds of thousands of prayers that go up that God doesn't answer like, Lord, let me win the lottery. God doesn't answer those prayers. You know, why? Because you would consume on all your desires. 
I'd do the same, quite frankly. If I won the lottery, life would be good. <laughs> I probably wouldn't drive a used Kia anymore. You know, it'd be wonderful. I'd, I'd, be great. I'd be a fabulous rich person. Lord, I'd be great at it. Seriously, right here. Fabulous. <laughs> but God is not so interested in just giving us stuff so we can consume things. Now, not only do we teach that God answers prayer, we teach that if you follow God's plans according to his word, that you will succeed in life. And this is true. He has given us a plan for success, blessings, and his miraculous favor. Make no mistake, if you follow God's plan for life, your life will be much better than if you don't. And for those of us who experienced life without God first and then came to faith and started experiencing God afterwards, many of us could stand up and testify without any doubt that our life since the turning of the page is dramatically better. Your life will just flat out be stinking better if you follow God's plan for your life. Even if there was no heaven or hell, and there is, but if there were none, it would still be worth doing this God's way because life will just be better than if you don't. So now, if we know that God wants to answer your prayers and we know he wants to bless you, then the only question that really remains is, what if the answer is no? What do you do then? What if you do everything right and you still can't get what you want? You know, I teach a lot on marriage and family. How you can succeed with a woman. How a woman can succeed with a man. How you can get whatever it is you want out of your relationships. And I show you the paths and I give you the lists and all this stuff. But seriously, you can do everything Marky says and still there's no guarantee you'll get everything you want. Okay. My advice is not a scientific formula. It's a pattern for how to succeed. You know, I got this thing, you know, for women, how to get their husbands to do what they want. Number one, ask for what you want. Number two, ask more than once. <laughs> and it goes on and on. And a lot of women say, well, what if I ask five times? What if he still wants to say, what if I try this? Hey, it's not a scientific formula. It's a pattern. Sometimes you can do everything I say. He still won't fix the toilet. What do I do then? Call the plumber. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Just good grief. You can't always get what you want. Even if you do everything right, you still won't always get what you want. And this will come as a shocker to you. God is not interested in giving you everything you want. After you've done all, believed all, endured all, and persevered in all ways, and you still can't get what you want, or you pray, and the answer is no, what do you do then? That is when we come to the part of the gospel message that is reviled by most. Whereas the first part, God wants to give you what you want. Everybody loves that. Nobody likes this part. Because this is the part that is the antithesis of the selfish message that sells millions of books in Christian bookstores and raises millions of dollars on Christian television every year. It is the part of the gospel message that causes people to turn away from Jesus in droves. And that message is this. You need to die to yourself. When you can't get what you want or God decides for whatever reason not to give you what you want, you have to die and to surrender what you want. It is the message of the cross. We are getting ready to celebrate this week of more 
time than any other time of the year, the message of the cross. We love the message of the cross. Everybody who's a Christian loves the message of the cross. We do communion every Sunday and we celebrate the message of the cross. Why? Because it is the message of the cross. Jesus dying on that cross is what makes it possible for us to have our sins forgiven and to know God and experience God's glory in our lives. We love the fact Jesus went to the cross. What we are not so crazy about is he expects us to go with him. That's the part you almost never hear preachers talk about and to our own hurt. It's what Jesus was talking about when he said, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And he says, whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me, my sake, will find it. Right from the get-go, he says, man, you got to lay down your life. You guys, your stuff, you got to surrender. You don't get everything you want. In Matthew 16, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. And he says again, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me, now you'll find it. Luke adds the word daily. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. And he says again, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. In Luke 17, Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Now, for those of you who don't remember Lot, Lot and his family lived in the Twin Cities, <laughs> not Minneapolis, St. Paul, but <clears throat> Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, this was the most wicked place on earth. This was the most wicked pair of cities since the beginning of time. It was so bad. They were so violent. They were so destructive. They were so immoral. It was off the charts in Sodom and Gomorrah. And God finally said, I have had it. This place is toast. I am going to rain down judgment on this place. And he told Lot and his family, he said, y'all better get out of Dodge because fire's coming down on the city. And when they left, God gave them one warning. Don't look back. Now, seriously, people. It's one thing for us to read the Bible and make mistakes. It's one of the things that we learn. I mean, we all do that. But when Almighty God shows up in person and tells you, don't look. Don't look. <laughs> so they're all leaving town. And the wife has to take just a glance. You know, just, just a little look. What can really bother, right? What can be harmed here? And she looks back for just a minute, and the Bible says God turned her into a pillar of salt on the spot. Everybody else just kept looking straight ahead. <laughs> so Jesus says, hey, remember this lady. What was his point? Don't get caught up in looking back. Don't get a lot of people. They're constantly, even in their Christian walk, they're walking with God, and but they get obsessed with where I was and what happened and I, I made this mistake and I shouldn't have made the mistake. Some of y'all just relive your mistakes over and over and over. That's where some of you need the spiritual ER. Not saying it doesn't need to happen. It does. But don't constantly be looking back. You need to look forward. Don't let your past dictate your future. You say, well, Pastor, I made a lot of mistakes. Get in line. <laughs> the difference between some of you and me is I don't let my, I don't live back there and relive my mistakes. I don't let that determine who I am. 
I let God's word determine who I am and my faith determine who I am. Keep looking forward. Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. But pastor, it's hard and it's painful. Yes, it is. That's why Jesus said in the very next words, the same words he said over and over again, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life will preserve it. Jesus says in John, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. <laughs> if that doesn't describe a lot of people, I know. They fall into the ground and it's dark and it's cold and it's lonely. <laughs> Pastor. Why is it so dark and cold and lonely in my life? Because <laughs> you won't die. <laughs> Just die already, for heaven's sakes. But I want, I want what I want, I want what I want, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it! <laughs> I'm not talking about your three-year-old, I'm talking about you. <laughs> We preach about that. No, I'm not going to do it. I want what I want. I'm going to do it. What happens? You just stay a seed stuck in the ground, and it's cold, and it's dark, and it's lonely. Die already, for heaven's sakes. Let go and let God in your life. Jesus said, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. See, if it'll just die, life bursts out. But we don't want to die. And then Jesus says, this unusual verse again. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. It's amazing how many times he said this. I'm not, I'm not even reading them all recorded in the Bible. There's, I think you got the point by now. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. He says again, anyone who hates his, this life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Paul put it like this. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. Again, a message we don't hear very often. We celebrate the fact that Jesus was crucified. And that's right and it's true. He's the son of God. He makes this all possible. What we fail to put across to people is, hey, you're supposed to be up there with him. That, not so popular. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. He's talking about the selfish part of him. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And you know what? There's great freedom in that. There's great life. Some of you are just mortified. Oh, I can't. I got to give up everything. Something that I want so bad. Hey, just let go already. I mean, how much fun is it to be a cold, lonely seed in the dirt? We need to die to ourselves. Why? Why does God expect us to give up some things and die to ourselves? Because dead people are very easy to get along with. They never complain. They never get frustrated. They are the most patient people you'll ever meet. <laughs> Little things don't bother them. In fact, one of the telltale signs that you have not died to yourself that I'm telling you you need to, you get frustrated, you get angry, you get impatient, and you get irritated. That you can't get what you want. <laughs> Stop. But I want it. It's a good thing, Pastor. Look, I don't care. Sometimes the answer from God for you is no. 
So how do I know that's the answer? Well, look, only God can tell you that. Listen, if you come to me, you come to Pastor Latham, you come to any of the pastors in Celebration Church and say, look, I'm really trying to get this in my life, we will pray with you. We'll try and get other people to pray with you. We'll encourage you. We'll try and show you how to get in faith. And we'll show you all those scriptures where Jesus said, if you just pray and believe, you'll get your answer. That will always be our assumption. But you need to listen. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And if God is speaking to you and his answer for you is no, you need to let it go. Getting Marky and all the other preachers in the world praying for you and going to do you jack squat. Sometimes we need to let it go. And it is in fact the way you get to true life. As Jesus said about the seed. I've had to do this many times in my life. Every major turning point in my life that took me to the next level of success in my life came at that painful point where I had to let go and die to something I wanted very, very badly. This is part of the Christian message. The cross wasn't just for Jesus. It's for you and me as well. But there's great life in this. I remember getting an email from a lady who said she'd been listening to what I was saying and frustrated in her marriage. And she sat down with a pad of paper and she started writing down all her expectations for her marriage. And she she said she filled out page after page after page. (laughs) Really? If you got pages, there's something wrong with you. No wonder people are so miserable. Your expectations for marriage ought to fit on a three-by-five card. It should be pretty simple and to the point. You think some man's going to be the savior of your soul and fulfill every need of your life. You're going to be one depressed woman, I'll tell you that. (laughs) So she said, I filled out all these pages of my expectations, and then I took them and I put them in a shoebox, and I grabbed my husband by the hand, and we went in the backyard, and I handed him a shovel. I said, dig a hole. We're going to bury the box. (laughs) He dug the hole. They buried the box. They had a moment of silence for her dreams. (laughs) She actually did this. And she wrote me, she says, I have never been happier in my life. Why? Because when the seed dies, new life kicks in. Oftentimes, God won't give you what you want until you lay go of it. And it'll come back to you in ways you never expected. Look, everybody has to do this. No one here is exempt. Now, some of the obvious stuff you should give up, you know, like you're trying to seduce someone else's husband. Yeah, you're going to get a big no on that. But a lot of it, it's not bad stuff. It's perfectly reasonable stuff, but for you, the answer is no. Anyone who's followed God has had to do this. It's called surrender. Even Abraham, you remember the story of Abraham? Abraham wanted a son so desperately. His wife couldn't conceive. God promised him, you will have a son with this woman. He hung in there, and they got older and older older. Finally, Abraham says, well, maybe I should help God out here. And he went and had sex with a younger woman and got a son. And God said, no, 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 no. I told you, you'd have it with Sarah. 
okay. They kept getting older and older pretty soon. Closed for business sign was put up. <laughs> Abraham's pushing 100 years, man. Still nothing. I mean, this boy, he wasn't, I don't know what he was thinking. I'm sure he was more of a candidate for the little blue pill than anything else. <laughs> and then finally, finally God gives him the answer. And miraculously, this woman conceives and gives birth to a little boy named Isaac. And Abraham celebrated this little boy. The joy of his life, you can imagine. And as he's a young boy, God comes to Abraham and says this to Abraham. He says, Abraham, I want you to take the little boy. I want you to go up into that mountain. And I want you to sacrifice him to me. <sighs> Can you imagine? Now, I dare say every parent in this room, including me, would have said no way. But Abraham had learned to trust God no matter what. And without even complaining, which is amazing, he took the boy and headed up the mountain. When he got up there, he tied the boy up, laid him on the altar, was about to plunge the knife into his chest when God shows up and says, whoa, don't do it. I was just seeing if you would follow me. God shows up in Genesis 22 and says this, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and you have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Why do we serve a God that at times looks at something you want desperately and will say no to you. Because he's a very jealous God. You don't have to look any further than the Ten Commandments. Look at the number one commandment that we see in Exodus. Number one says this, you shall have no other gods before me. When you want something so badly, you get mad at God that you don't get it you can pretty much kiss it off. God hadn't given it to you. You've got to learn to let go and let God. It's called picking up your cross, even if you have to do it daily, to where you say like, Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. I don't live anymore. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We're getting ready to go into Holy Week. On Friday, we will, we will reflect on the crucifixion of our Lord. And on Sunday, we will celebrate his glorious resurrection. We Christians love the fact that Jesus went to the cross. What we too often fail to recognize is that he wants us to go to the cross with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you so loved the world that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. We thank you that through this miracle of the cross, you've reconciled yourself with us, that we can know you and we can experience forgiveness of sins and new life. But Lord, help us to realize that 
we too are called to pick up our cross, to die to our selfish nature. Lord, we thank you that we can trust you. We can believe you that you will give us the desires of our heart, that we can pray and you'll answer our prayers. But Lord, when the answer is no, help us. Help us to let go and to let God be number one in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite the ushers if they would come and as our worship team returns back to the stage as we prepare this morning for communion. In a few moments we will join together in partaking of communion and remembering what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross and as we hold that bread and in our hands and the cup that represents his body and his blood that was shed for us. Are you ready this morning, celebration, family, to die? That's what the cross was all about. You see, when the people gathered on that hundreds of years ago and they were gathering as Jesus was coming into Jerusalem riding on the donkey, celebrating, they weren't recognizing who he was. They weren't realizing what he was coming into Jerusalem for. They were looking for a king to establish a kingdom here on earth. But he was coming to establish a righteous kingdom, a kingdom that would go for years and generations right through to our time and all through eternity, a kingdom that he would be the king, rule in our hearts and our lives. But it required a cross, and he was facing that cross not many days ahead. But what about you? In a few moments, I'm going to invite each one of us to pray a very simple prayer. An opportunity for you to come and pray this prayer and allow the fact of coming to the cross of Jesus. Recognizing that Jesus is the Savior, your Savior. The Gospel of John says it this way, that He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The sins of the world, your sin and my sin, the cross. And as we come to that cross as well, as you come to the cross, allowing him this morning, as you come to the foot of the cross, even as we pray this prayer, the beginning place, the first, the start of this new life with Christ. It's a time for you to be able to come and repent. A time for you to come and say, God, I come to the cross. I want to take up my cross. I want to follow you. I want to give my life to you. 100%. Not just over an Easter season, but all through the year in every area of my life. So I'm going to invite you to just bow your heads with me this morning. Invite you to repeat this prayer with me. I'm going to invite all of you to repeat the prayer. And if you this morning praying this prayer from your heart, not just words spoken that coming from your thoughts, your mind, but praying it from your heart, it'll be the starting place in your walk with God, experiencing the fact that he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So would you repeat this prayer after me? Dear Lord Jesus, something in my heart tells me I need you. I now confess my sin and I repent of my sin and by faith ask you to come into my life as my Savior and as my Lord. Amen.